join us this morning. Psalm 103 starts, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. I love this part. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Would you join me and we say this together? 
Well, we're going to say the first couple verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's bless the Lord this morning with our worship. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory.
Well, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Welcome on this beautiful, beautiful day. Would you please take a moment and greet someone around you? You can go ahead and have a seat. I uh, want to welcome you to Hopel this morning. I'm up here with Pastor Ken, as well as Pete Carlson, his wife Jean, and their son Josh. And it is our privilege to let you know that uh, Pete Carlson is now officially a pastor here at Hopel Church. <laughs> Got a lot of relatives here today. That's great, yeah. Um, Pete's been on staff here the last four years in the role of Adult Ministries Director. And last month, he finished our formal process called uh, commendation, which is the equivalent of our ordination, right? And so over the last couple of years, Pete has gone through some ministry observation. He's gone through some theological education, which included a final paper, as well as an interactive examination with past and present members of our elder board, as well as other staff pastors. And Pete passed with flying colors. We've really seen Pete's gifts for ministries uh, through these years, as well as just his heart for the Lord and for people. So as of today, Pete goes from our adult ministries director to our adult ministries pastor. So let's celebrate this milestone with him, can we? (laughs) We also want to just commit him and his family to the Lord. So Pastor Ken and I are going to pray for them, but would love for you to join us as we lead. Go ahead and Bow your heads with me. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you for this moment and this time, this milestone in Pete and Jean and Joss's life. Uh, Lord, thank you for drawing them to yourself and helping them to grow in the Lord Jesus. And Lord, thank you for calling Pete to vocational ministry, to church ministry. And that was a desire of his heart, and you have fulfilled the desire of his heart and brought him to this place in his life. And so, Lord, we want to celebrate with Pete and Gene and Josh. And, Lord, also just as an elder board, we want to affirm and commend Pete to pastoral ministry here at Hopevale, in this community, and even wider reaches. And so, Father, we, we just want to do that together. And thank you for them. In Jesus' name. Lord, we would ask, too, that you would just um, guide and nurture and protect this family, that their hearts would be centered on you and each other. We pray for Pete's ongoing walk with you, that he would draw strength and sweetness from uh, you, Jesus, and that his ministry um, with us and to us would really be an overflow of that walk with you. And God, as we look ahead, we're excited about what you have in store uh, for Pete and just the ongoing impact that, as Ken said, he will make not only in this church body, but in this community. And so, God, thank you. Thank you that you, you call all of us, whatever stage of life, whatever vocation, whatever title we may have, Lord, to being used by you in your kingdom work. And so we now just pray for your favor and blessing to rest upon Pete 
and then his family. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys. Oh, that's awesome, man. You know, one of, the, one of the things we talk about here at Hopevale is that as important as it is for us to have our pastors and our pastoral roles, and, and we take that seriously, we take that as a, a calling from the Lord, as you just, just have seen, but as, impor- as important as that is, God has called all of us in the body of Christ to serve him well, to be a part of his mission here within our church family, but in our community, in our families, and and, and literally around the world. And so in light of that, I want to tell you about two upcoming opportunities over these next two Sundays uh, that you can be involved in. And the first is next Sunday, October 30th, uh, right here in this auditorium, 6 p.m., uh, Pastor Dan and I are going to lead uh, a teaching on the Holy Spirit. And it'll be connected to the series, but it'll be also a question-answer time where you can bring your questions and have an opportunity to ask, and we will get to as many as we possibly can. And so next Sunday, 6 p.m., right here. And then the following Sunday, November 6th, uh, we launch five new adult growth classes. Two will be on Sunday mornings right here on this campus, and then three will be on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. in the 200 wing just to my left. And so you can get more information about those classes at the Connect Grow Serve Desk. And if you do happen to need child care for the Sunday night teaching this next Sunday, uh, do sign up. If you need child care, do sign up for that if you would. So two opportunities. Uh, be involved as you can. A good way to be equipped, uh, further encouraged to be a part of the ministry that God has given you within your family, within this church in the community. So I want to invite our ushers to come forward now, and let's pray together for our time of giving. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you uh, for the opportunity to serve you in whatever way we can, in whatever place we can, 168 to live our lives for you. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you through giving. Thank you for how you have provided for us, how you are taking care of us, and Lord, I want to lift up right now just folks who are, are searching for a job, they're seeking work, uh, maybe they've lost their job, or maybe they just feel like the, the, the job they have right now is not a good fit, it's a frustration, there's some irritations happening, and I, I just pray that you will guide their lives. Uh, open doors for them, encourage them, we just lift each of them up to you. And so Father, during this time of giving, We truly want to worship you with all of our hearts. And we thank you for your gift to us, your son Jesus, and how you give to us every day of the week. So we worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 to the church in Galatia, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And I was thinking about how Pastor Dan taught us last week that it is the Holy Spirit that makes us spiritually alive. And how Paul writes and says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the importance of 
keeping in step, and he, he doesn't say with our brothers and sisters in Christ, or keeping in step with our neighbor, or keeping in step with Pastor Dan, but keeping in step with the Spirit, step by step. But in order to do that, we must be aware of his presence. So I want us to sing these next two songs this morning kind of as a prayer, that the Holy Spirit would invade this space, but that he would invade this space that he would give us the eyes to see and ears to hear what he is saying and where he is moving and the courage and the desire to keep up with him step by step. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Would you sing it with me? Your presence, Lord. And I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. And your presence, Lord. Experience the glory of your goodness. 
to speak to us, to speak to our hearts, to open our minds, to open our ears, to open our eyes, to challenge us today, to move amongst us today, to draw us closer, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. What I love about songs like that is, is we sing them because we expect something to happen when we come here. That more than just getting our minds informed, our emotions stirred, we expect an encounter with God. And so I appreciate Carrie and the team leading those songs. And very appropriate for the series that we're in. Uh, but today... As we start, I want to begin uh, with a question, a little bit of an icebreaker, okay? And the question is this, how many lies do you think the average person tells in a day? All right? If you're with someone, spouse, you know, family, friend, whatever, go ahead, just talk about how, how many lies do you think the average person tells in a day? Back in 2010, this group of researchers did three separate academic studies to try to figure out the answer to the question. And the first of the, those three studies, they actually surveyed a thousand people. And they asked them, said, you know, people lie for all sorts of reasons, big and small. Some think they're being helpful. Some, you know, they're telling mostly the truth, leaving something out. Maybe they're lying to protect, you know, whatever it is, right? But they asked the question, you know, to help us understand lying in daily communication, we are interested in asking people to tell us how often they lie. So what'd you come up with? How many lies a day? What do you think? Yes. I saw five. 
Uh, here's what they came up with. 1.65 lives a day. Now, maybe I'm just skeptical, right? Seems a little low to me, to be honest, right? But then it makes sense that people would lie about how much lying they're doing, right? I know, pretty crazy, huh? Here's another result that came out. They found out that 40.1% of people admitted that they had lied within the last 24 hours. So 40.1%, that's about half. That'd be like this side of the room, right? Yeah, yeah, so. And then, you know, here's the one, though, that I know you're, you really want to know. What about the difference between men and women? Well, statistically speaking, they said it was more or less even out, but after taking out every other factor, here's what they found, right? Women, 1.39 lies a day. Men, 1.93 lies a day. Guys, how could we? Higher on the lies per day quotient than the women. And so being a guy, I... I I'm just going to speak for all of us here. I'm not going to offer any excuses, right? We'll own up to it. But I will say that in all fairness, we have some very tough questions that we've got to answer, right? Does this outfit make me look fat? (laughs) Or you're watching a movie with your spouse and an actress comes on and you're asked the question, do you think she's pretty? You know, and, you know, for a guy who gets paid to speak in front of people for a living, I can't find the words to answer a question like that, you know? Wow. So, you know, maybe it just all kind of averages out in the end, guys, right? I mean, we're trying our best. So, you know, well, as light as a discussion like that about lying can be, I, you know, deep down, it's a serious matter. That is, people... We really care a lot about things like truth and honesty. That in our heart of hearts, at the very core of who we are, we want people to be honest with us. We want them to be honest. One of the ways they can love us is to be honest with them. Then conversely, some of the most painful experiences we'll ever go through have to do with deception and dishonesty, where someone deliberately gets us to believe one thing when in fact something else is the truth. I would say that the vast majority of pastoral counsel experience, counseling situations in the church here, you know, whether it's engaged, married couples, families, even maybe people who serve with each other in the church, right? Whatever it is, you usually find either a misunderstanding, that's often the case, where one person thinks the other one has lied, that's not really the case, but it's a misunderstanding, or it's just a deliberate, intentional, flat-out misrepresentation of the truth, Right? You, you betcha that we care about the truth. And if that's the case with human relationships, how much more should the truth matter when it comes to our relationship with the God that we worship? Last week, we began a new series entitled God in Me, a series where we are taking an in-depth look at the Holy Spirit, what the Bible teaches about him and who the Holy Spirit wants to be for us. Now, as we kicked things off last week, we covered quite a lot of ground, but as part of that, we laid three essential foundational truths from the Bible that it teaches about the Holy Spirit. And those three foundational truths are these, that the Holy Spirit is a person, 
the Holy Spirit is God and that the Holy Spirit is in you as a Christian. That when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God himself, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's not just some vague, mystical, impersonal, spiritual force. No, the Holy Spirit is a personal God, someone we can relate to, we can know, that we can pursue, that we can draw closer to over time. And then on top of all this, this capital G God, who has existed before the beginning of time, who is there at the creation of our universe, who uh, brought forth Jesus miraculously into this world through the virgin birth, and then later raised this same Jesus from the dead, this same God, this same Holy Spirit lives in you as a Christian. He lives in me. Do you not know, the Apostle Paul says, in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? God in you. God in me. Absolutely mind-blowing. Now, can you see him in there? No. Can you feel him in there? Well, not necessarily. And yet, in a supernatural, mysterious kind of way that defies human explanation, can we be confident that he's in our life, that he's given us new life, and he's actually a part of who we are now in Christ? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We also saw this verse last week as well. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is God's seal of ownership upon our lives, a seal that cannot or will not ever be broken. The indwelling Holy Spirit is irrevocable, eternal proof that you and I belong to God both now and forever. This is who we are. This is the truest identity of those of us who have been saved and rescued through the work of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit lives in us as Christians, foundational truths for the entire series. Then we wound things up by looking at the work, the renewing, reviving, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit who causes us as Christians to be what does the Bible say? To be born again. That he has raised our previously dead spirits to new and everlasting life. The flesh gives birth to to flesh, Jesus said, right? But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth, gives life to our spirit. The Holy Spirit, this is the work he does in every Christian because apart from Jesus, no one, what did Jesus say? No one can see, no one can enter the kingdom of God, not this life or the life to come. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So for every follower of Jesus Christ, we are forever indebted, right? for this rescuing work that the Holy Spirit has done in our lives, drawing us into the kingdom of God, giving us new birth, giving us new life. And today, as we talk about another one of the works of the Holy Spirit and who he wants to be for us, I want to go back to this whole idea of truth and honesty, right? Because another one of the key ministries that the Holy Spirit has in our lives is his perfect ability and his loving commitment to tell us the truth all the time. His perfect ability his loving commitment to tell us the truth all the time, including those times when we don't really want to hear it, 
Now, to learn more about the truth-telling ministry of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go back to the words of Jesus during his earthly life, just like we did last week, and see what he has to say about this work of the Spirit in us. We're going to look at the Gospel of John, several chapters, but to set the stage, I, I want to talk about the section of Scripture we're going to look at. John 13 to John 17 is also known as the Upper Room Discourse. The Upper Room Discourse. This, this consists of the final words that Jesus gives to his disciples, right? The very end of his life, as a matter of fact, unknown to them, he will be crucified in less than 24 hours. And so Jesus, in these, this place known as the Upper Room, is with his 12 disciples. They're not only Jesus' best friends with whom he shared the last three years of his life, but they're also the ones who are going to carry on the work of the kingdom of God that Jesus first set into motion. And it's important to know that because it helps us understand the context for this upper room discord. Because Jesus isn't just saying goodbye, right? No, he is passing on instructions for what these disciples are going to need to know in his absence. They've been used to having Jesus around, but what are they going to do when he's no longer there? And so an important part of what Jesus tells them has to do with the Holy Spirit. So to give us some context, let's start in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. They don't know this yet, but Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. I'm no longer going to be with you, but you know what? You as my disciples, you as those who will start this new work of the kingdom of God called the church, you and all of my other followers will do even greater things than you've seen me do. So verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about prayer. This is a call to prayer. This is a call to faith-filled, God-glorifying prayer in the name of Jesus. This is all part of the future that Jesus is painting for them. And for us, 2,000 years later, what does he tell us? Believe in me, Jesus says. Carry on my work, Jesus says. Seek me in prayer for all things, Jesus says. And not only that, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Honor my words, do what I tell you. I mean, a long list of instructions of what these disciples are supposed to be doing after Jesus leaves them. Now think about it. How can these imperfect, inconsistent, slow-to-get-it disciples of Jesus actually make this happen, right? I mean, their track record is pathetic. And so Jesus goes on, verse 16, and I will ask the Father. How are you going to do that? I will ask the Father, and I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. The other advocate, guess who Jesus is talking about here? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who he calls what? The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, among other things, is the Spirit of truth. And Jesus describes him as another advocate, right? Now, the word advocate here is translated different ways in other versions of the English Bible. Depending on what you're reading, it might say the helper, the comforter, the counselor. And the reason for all these different translations is that there's no one English word that can capture everything Jesus is trying to describe about this advocate, right? 
I mean, the word literally translated means the one called alongside to help. And so the idea is that this advocate to come is, is one of constant companionship and supernatural assistance. We'll help you. We'll be with you. Constant companionship, supernatural assistance. And it makes sense because the implication with the word another, as if Jesus what? Jesus is the first advocate, counselor, helper, comforter. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, Jesus says, who will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, it's interesting to look at the rest of this verse, verse 17, and the contrast that Jesus sets up. He says, disciples, I'm going to give you this, another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. But this spirit of truth, not everyone will believe, not everyone will understand, not everyone will even like him, right? They won't because the world, what does Jesus mean when he says the world? He, here he's talking about the people and the systems that are outside the realm of the kingdom of God. And they're not going to believe because they want physical proof. They won't believe what they can't see. Not only that, but they don't have a desire to know him because he stands for everything that runs contrary to the values of this world, values that are influenced by the father of lies, influenced by the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, the one who opposes the work of Jesus. Though the world can't and won't accept the spirit of truth, you can be assured, Jesus tells them, that he will be with you and in you, right? There again, just like we saw last week, God in you. This is the Holy Spirit. God in me. Jesus passes the baton. He says there's going to be another advocate that even though he's about to leave them, he's not going to leave them alone. They will have the spirit of truth. And even though this new advocate won't be with them in bodily form like Jesus was, he will be just as powerful and just as present. And you know what? 2,000 years later, The exact same thing is true for us today as well. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is with us. He is in us always. It's such a powerful message that Jesus repeats it a few more times. John 15, verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, right? And who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus, to testify about Jesus. Again, the very next chapter, John 16, beginning in verse 7, Jesus says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, verse 8, again, he, not it, but when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will prove the world to be wrong, or he will convict the world, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is able to illuminate. He's able to shine the light of God's truth into this world, into our lives, and expose all the error and falseness and deception that exists. But those beliefs and behaviors that we embrace that do not quite line up with the truth of God's word. He will prove the world to be wrong. He will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment, elaborating further, verse 9, about sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, now stands condemned. Jesus tells his disciples, he's telling us, that this advocate shines the light of God's truth in this world on three realities, right? 
I'm talking about three just church words, right? Bible words. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Back to verse 8. This is from the New Living Translation. And when he comes, right, he will convict the world of its sin. He will convict the world of God's righteousness. And he will convict the world of the coming judgment. I'm talking about three words that our culture, our world, our own selfish nature rebel against, right? Properly understood, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And think about it, we don't want to be told that our attitudes and actions might be offensive to God. We don't want to believe that there's an actual right and an actual wrong instead of living with moral relativism and whatever seems right to us. And we don't want to begin to think, right, about eternity and our lives actually being accountable to God. That is the intensity of these three words. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus says that no matter how much we want to pretend these things don't exist, the Holy Spirit will prove us wrong. See, the word righteousness tells us that God has a standard of moral perfection. The word sin tells us that everyone fails to live up to that standard. None of us the Bible says do. And judgment tells us that there are eternal consequences because of our sin. No matter what you hear, no matter how people try to denigrate the Bible, the Christian faith, the spirit, the spirit of truth, says these things are true. Even that last one, Judgment that reminds us of the harsh reality that awaits everyone who is apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so you take this passage in John 16, you combine it with what we saw before in John 15, that the spirit of truth will testify about Jesus. And you realize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit points out our problem, right? Righteousness, sin, and judgment. But he also leads us to a solution, Jesus and his gospel. See, Jesus lived a perfectly righteous life and died for our sin so that we'd be spared from judgment, so that we'd be forgiven, so that we'd receive eternal life. This right here is the heart of Christianity, right? Why did Jesus die on the cross? It wasn't just a model of loving example. It was in our place for our sins. And as you look at that, before we leave this, you need to understand, right, that you can't experience the solution if you don't admit the problem, right? You can't experience God's solution for your life if you don't admit the problem. You can't know the love and forgiveness of Jesus if you don't think you need it, right? We talk a lot around here about the gospel, right? But the good news of Jesus won't mean a thing to you if you're unwilling to own up to the bad news about yourself, about where you stand with those three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment, So even now as I say that, I I think the spirit of truth is speaking to some of your hearts. I really do. You you maybe have thought about these things that you've tried to run from the problem. You've tried to pretend they're not there. Or maybe you've even tried to fix that problem on your own by being a good person, by being a religious person, by trying to check all the right boxes, right? But none of that works. No, we experience God's solution by wholly trusting God. In Jesus Christ. 
you know, today could be the day that you say to Jesus, Jesus, I have a problem. I have a sin problem. I have a righteousness problem. I have a judgment problem. And I cannot rescue myself from these problems. So I'm throwing myself at your grace and mercy and asking you to save me. This is what the Bible says it means to be a Christian. To trust in Jesus as your solution, right? His death, his resurrection on your behalf. The solution for your problem. This is how we experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus both now and forever. And so I want to nudge you, I want to encourage you that if you have never personally given your life to Jesus Christ, that today's the day you tell Jesus, Jesus, I need a Savior, and I want you to be my Savior. I have a problem. Be my solution. This is God's good news for everyone, and this is what it truly means to be a Christian. When we own up to it, that's when the grace of God pours into our lives. Now, I've said before that trusting Jesus for your salvation is the biggest decision of faith we'll ever make, and it really is. Trusting in Jesus for our salvation is the biggest decision we'll ever make, but it's not the final decision of faith we'll ever make, right? It's not like we make one big faith decision to trust Christ and then we no longer have to do that again, right? It's not the end of the line, it's the start of a journey. That's why here at Hopewell we say that we are inviting people not just to know Jesus, but to follow Jesus for all the days of their life. To live 168, right? For him. Every hour of our week, every area of our lives. But see, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop telling us the truth once we become a Christian. Listen, if he comes into our lives at the moment of salvation, why would we think that he would all of a sudden go silent and not have anything else to say to us, right? And why would we think we no longer need it? No, there is still a convicting work of the Holy Spirit that takes place in the life of every Christian. It is a tough love, truth-telling work of the Spirit that's for our best. He still speaks to us about sin and righteousness and judgment, just like he does with the world and those in it. It's just a different kind of conversation. Here's what I mean. I explain it this way. That for non-Christians, the Holy Spirit draws them to Jesus, right? That is the convicting work. And it speaks to the question of the reality of our relationship, which do I have a relationship or not? And the Holy Spirit leads people to that point. But for Christians, it's a little different. The Holy Spirit points them back to Jesus or leads them closer to Jesus. It's not addressing the question of the reality of our relationship with him. It's talking about the quality of our relationship with Jesus. How good is it? Now, we've already talked at length about this first one, but the second one is equally as important. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking tough love truth into our lives, you know, the reality of our relationship with Jesus is not at stake. I want to make sure you get that right. That's already been settled. We belong to God. The seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives is proof of that. But just because we have a personal relationship with Jesus doesn't automatically mean that it's all that it should be. Now, sometimes we drift, don't we? Sometimes we wander. Sometimes we become indifferent. Sometimes we might actually turn our backs on God and walk away from him. There are some here that you've done that for stretches of time, years, maybe even decades. 
And if that's the case, the Holy Spirit is still at work within you, convicting you and pointing you back to Jesus. And yet the Spirit of truth isn't just for cold-hearted rebels and prodigals. No, he's also for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus but haven't yet fully arrived. And as a matter of fact, this side of heaven, none of us will ever get to the place where we no longer have any need for change and growth. We may be at different points in the journey, but none of us have yet to reach the goal of Christ-like perfection. And so because of that, we all still need to hear from and respond to the Spirit of truth. To hear from and respond to the Spirit of truth, who is always at work within us, trying to lead us closer to Jesus. Now, you've heard me say that the truth, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, is a tough love truth. And we need to know that as Christians, because even still, we have that stubborn, selfish, independent streak in us that doesn't want to take direction for anyone, including the Holy Spirit, right? So as much as we sing, you know, Holy Spirit, I'm hanging on every word of yours, there's some times where deep inside we're like, "Mm, no, that's okay. This area, off limits, right? I mean, I'll admit it. I've got those times. You do too. And yet we open up the Bible, we come to worship, and the Spirit of God is speaking to us from the Word of God to what? Convict us of something in our lives that we need to change, that we need to stop doing, that we need to start doing. And as much as we don't want to hear it, we need to know that He's right. Because after all, He is the Spirit of truth. But not as He just right, He is also loving, He has our best in mind. That's why we can joyously respond to Him. This is where the work of the Holy Spirit gets very personal in our lives. With as many hundreds of different people we have here, there are hundreds of different ways he communicates that. Because the Holy Spirit puts his finger on things in our lives that can be very specific. And I wouldn't be surprised that today, through our worship, through this teaching, that he is bringing to mind, right, something right now. He is convicting us of an area in our lives that we need to address. Right now, there may be husbands and wives here, parents, children, who need to apologize. A spouse who needs to apologize to their spouse or to a close family member they've hurt. And you know you need to do it, but you're clinging on to a million and one excuses of why you don't have to. They started it. They don't deserve it. They need to apologize first, blah, 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 blah. And the Holy Spirit is pointing you back to Jesus, pointing you closer to Jesus by telling you to let go of your pride, right? To humble yourself and to say that you're sorry. And by the way, the sorry that you need to say, you can't add anything lame to the end of that, okay? I'm sorry that you're mad at me. I'm sorry that you took it the wrong way. I'm sorry that you overreacted. Lame, lame. I'm sorry, but I couldn't help myself. Oh, there's a good one, right? (laughs) Now, let's just say I'm sorry, period. See, here is a good apology. A good apology is specific. A good apology is sincere. And a good apology takes full responsibility for doing wrong and hurting someone else. End of story, right? Maybe that is what the Spirit of Truth is trying to tell you today. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking some of the men here, probably more than I'd like to think, who throughout the week are feeding lusts through massive and frequent intakes of online pornography. And I 
know it's a very sensitive thing to bring up in a church setting like this, but if the stats are even close to being true, then it means some of you guys are there. You crack the door and you can't stop yourself. It's taking over your life and it's drawing you further and further away from Jesus. Not only that, but because it's such a private and secret thing, like any other private and secret behavior, it's dividing your personality. So the person that you are in public is far different than the man you are in private. And so what do you do with a private sin like that, men, women, right? You listen to the voice of truth. You listen to the spirit of truth who's trying to get your attention. And as confrontational and as humbling as it is, the very first place you need to do is confess. Confess to God that you're blowing it, that your behavior is unrighteous and unholy, and that you need to change. It begins with honest confession to God and to yourself, and then victory is often found when you bring someone in a very close, trusted Christian friend. But why wouldn't we expect the Holy Spirit to speak to us about issues of holiness in our life, right? And maybe that's what the Spirit of Truth is trying to tell you. Or maybe there are men and women here, young men, young women, you've been away from the Lord for a while. And being in church today is one of your first steps to try to come back to him, but it hasn't been easy. As a matter of fact, there are some of you here who've gone through these like start and stop cycles, right? Where you come back, you make a little progress, you fall away, you come back, make a little progress, you fall away, right? Something else gets in the way, something else is more important, something else trips you up, and you just feel like a failure for blowing it so many times. Listen, if that's you, if it took everything you had to just walk through the doors of this church today, then you need to listen to the spirit of truth who tells you, despite your track record, you're not a failure. Despite your track record, you belong to God. And that there's victory today. You walking through these doors, you engaging in worship, you listening to the message, that is a victory. And you thank the Spirit for that. You wake up tomorrow and say, okay, Spirit, give me another victory, right? Because that's how growth works in the Christian life. It's step by step, day by day. Maybe I've touched on your specific area, or maybe there's something else going on, but whatever the Holy Spirit is drawing your attention to, however uncomfortable it might feel, you need to know that the truth-telling of the Holy Spirit always comes to us from a place of love. And we have enough human experience, right, to know that people who tell the truth can sometimes punish us with the truth, can sometimes humiliate us with the truth, right? Not the Holy Spirit. He's coming to us from a place of love, and sometimes it's some tough love that we need. But it's all for the purpose of getting us on track to follow Jesus again and experience the riches of his gospel in our life. You know, believers sometimes wonder, that when it comes to my sin, how do I know the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the devil? Here's how you know that when we sin, when we fail, the devil always wants to take us to a place of condemnation and discouragement. Condemnation and discouragement. You're a failure. You're no good. God can never love someone like you. And if that's what you're feeling, that is not from the Holy Spirit. That's from Satan. 
Now, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, yes, he will challenge us. Yes, he will lead us to some hard places, places of confession and repentance, but he doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit will also lead us back to Jesus. He'll lead us back to his gospel. He'll lead us back to places of forgiveness and restoration and renewal and hope. That's when you know the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Because there is, as the Bible says, no condemnation, absolutely none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this day, this week, let the Holy Spirit speak what is true in your life so that you can know, so that you can personally experience what Jesus says is true, that you shall know, you shall respond to his truth, and his truth will truly set you free. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you tell us the truth always. As hard as it is to take, as humbling as it can be, you never lie, you never deceive, you never misrepresent. But in a loving, caring way, you let us know what is truly real, even if it doesn't line up with what we see, hear, touch, taste, smell. Right? What our five senses apprehend. Lord, you are speaking truth to the deepest places of who we are. And God, thank you that you've been doing that today. For some of us, it's been showing us our need for a Savior and inviting us to trust in Jesus Christ to be that Savior. For others of us, you want to draw us back to yourself or you want to lead us into deeper places in our relationship with you. Whatever it is, thank you that you persist You pursue us in great love and you keep speaking truth into our lives because you have so much more for us than even we could imagine. And God, for people here where you have really just placed your finger right on something that needs to be dealt with, I pray they would listen and respond. I pray you'd give them the strength, the courage, the humility, and the love to pursue that. Because, Lord, that is the place of victory. That is the path to hope. Because your spirit leads us in that direction. So, God, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Speak what is true, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing together. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. And here's my heart, Lord.
Here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. It's not only the closing song for today, but it's our prayer for this week. Every day when you wake up, just say, Lord, here's my heart, speak what is true. Because sometimes we need truth to challenge us, and sometimes we need truth to comfort us. We're in a bad place, and we need that encouragement. Or we're in a stubborn place, and we need to be broken, right? Whatever it is, we want the Holy Spirit in his tough love kind of way to speak truth to our hearts. Next week, we will continue our series as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives and make us more like Jesus, as Pastor Ken mentioned. We'll also have our Sunday night spotlight a week from tonight, 6 p.m., right here in this auditorium. But as you go from here, may the Holy Spirit lead you into all truth. God bless you.